0: welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of pastor immanuel iren lead pastor of celebration church international it is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith ready set grow you know i always like to remind us why we go to church And why we have ministry gifts? Why do we have pastors or apostles or evangelists? And why? Because a wise man said, it says, where the purpose of a thing is not known, abuse then becomes inevitable. And so I want to start reading from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. It's a text that we know very well. Ephesians chapter 4, from verse 11. He says, and he gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. Listen, I like the word for, because it tells us the purpose. He gave us all these ministry gifts for the equipping of the saints' For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Everybody read verse 12 together. One, two, go. Now listen, let me me use your school, for example. When you were enrolled in year one in the university, you had a goal. You didn't go there because your friends were there. You were pursuing a degree. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so, the school was meant to release you as a product after four years or after five years, depending on the course of study. There was a goal in mind. And now, the same way, when you are in church, there is a goal in mind. In mind, The pastor or whoever is meant to equip you for the work of the ministry. So just the same way, after four years, you have a degree. And you're ready to practice the same way. After you've been in church for a while, you must be capable of doing ministry. In fact, minister's training is a modern-day invention. Listen, every church service is supposed to be for the equipping of ministers. Are you listening to me? So that's something you must realize. And you have to begin to see it as something abnormal for you to have been in church for 10 years and God cannot depend on you to get any small job done it's wrong, it's abnormal it's an anomaly it's akin to someone being in school for two decades without graduating now that's going to be sad it shouldn't be please are you with me For the equipping of the saints. Another thing is, did he say he gave only teachers for the equipping of the saints? So meaning, all ministry gifts, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, fundamentally have the same tasks. So teaching and equipping is not relegated to the ministry of teachers or pastors. The prophet must be able to equip also. Are you listening to me? The evangelist must be able to equip also. If you cannot train, you have no business in ministry. The fact that you are a prophet or an apostle is not reason enough for you to only have breakthrough services all the time. Because fundamentally, you must be able to equip for ministry. So someone who has followed you for a long time he will look at his life and apart from miracles, apart from breakthroughs, you should be able to tell from his communication that he has been trained. Do you understand this? And all ministry gifts have this assignment predominantly. Never forget this. Never forget this. He says, we all come in the unity of the faith. Do you know why there are still so many denominations and Christians all over the place disagree? Even amongst the charismatics, there are at least 6,000 different views. So, I mean, charismatic Christianity is even too broad. Even amongst the people who speak in tongues, the definition of tongues the execution of the gift of tongues different you will hear different things <laughs> some of you have heard <laughs> different things do you understand what i'm saying and the reason we don't have unanimity of the faith is because ministry gifts are not doing their work we are in the first place we are not discussing doctrine we we don't know why we believe when you join a church you are told what to believe you are not told why do you understand what i'm saying this is how we do it. And so you grow up with that ideology. And anyone who tries to teach you otherwise is a rebel. That's where the fights come from. I had a pastor friend, you know, years ago. I mean, he was meant to be an older minister who took interest, you know, in me. Being a young minister, you know, and we used to have lunch together and do all, all of that. And one day, I asked him a simple question from the Bible. And he was so offended. That was the last time I saw him. To be clear, he didn't answer me, <laughs> he was just offended. Why would you ask this? It's in the Bible this thing you do, why do you do it? That's all and you're wondering how did we get here? Because as far as we're concerned, let's not go into all the nitty gritties, let's just get together and dance and praise God, whoever your definition of God is, whatever your definition of God is and we think that's unity, we think we're united because we are gathered together in the same place Singing the same songs Holding hands and shouting kumbaya But the unity is in the faith Did you hear what I said? Yes, True unity is where? Meaning we should speak the same thing And have the same mind That's God's, that's God's plan for the church Please say amen if you believe this amen. And when we do that he said something very important will happen. He says, we would no, be no more children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. We would be no more children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. That's the title of my sermon this morning. Every wind of doctrine. And he says, when you are no more tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, you're no more a child. Once upon a time, you can listen to any preaching, you can't even tell the difference between what is good and what is bad. In fact, when someone is trying to tell you, oh, I don't think that's correct, you think the person is being too analytical. You think the person is just being a hater or a critic. If every sermon blesses you, it's not a sign of love work; It's a sign of immaturity. <laughs> it doesn't mean your love work is strong. It just means you are a baby. I mean, that's what he says. That you will be no more children tossed to and fro. Everybody has a point. Ah, he has a point. He has a point. You, you, you don't even understand. You know, someone was talking about this text years ago. And then he said, please forgive me for what I'm about to say. He said... Okay? You can have a conference with 10 guest ministers and all 10 of them will contradict each other. And you'll be blessed. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it all contradicting. Because for, for some of us it's just about the program, the activity. And so you're not actually growing. You're not experiencing progress in the faith. Well, that's not God's will for you. He says there must be a henceforth moment where you are no more a child, tossed to and fro. So a time will come, you can't even attend every program. You can't. You want to check first. What will I be subjecting my soul to? What will I be subjecting my spirit to? I've been in this long enough to know that many people have gotten into serious trouble stepping into places they shouldn't go to. Stepping into places. Before you know it, they will take you to a river and bathe you at your age. They debuff you. And and you know, and the annoying thing about this is you can be educated, you can have secular education and still be so stupid religiously. I'm sorry to say. It's that kind of sermon, so just bear with me. They gave you fish to eat. And you're wondering why you are having nightmares. And, And some of you You don't want to be rude, so you take it. Imagine, someone called me said her mom's pastor has insisted they will come to the house and bathe her and put some things in in her food, but she doesn't want to to come across as rude. On on top of your own destiny, you don't want to be rude about your own future. About your own future. It will be rude if I say no. What? You're the one who is going to bear the consequences. Don't joke about this. Please, are you listening to me? Yes, it's your life. It's your destiny. You know, there was a video trending on um, on the internet. A challenge. Guess the drink. Did you ever see it? So they will put a carton and then many straws, and the straws are connected to different drinks. Maybe I don't want to mention the brands. And you taste this and you guess. You taste this and you guess. And for me, that's a picture of discernment. You must be able to tell. (laughs) Ah, this is rubbish. This is rubbish. <laughs> you know, that sermon, you know, <laughs> you know, this is not for me. You must be able to guess the drink. <laughs> it's important. And, and I just want to say this, you know, I was doing, in my personal study, so I'm, I'm personally reading for Samuel, you know, in my own Bible study plan. And it just struck me that, you know, faithful preaching is hard. It's not easy. Now, let me tell you how the story of Samuel starts. There's this man, Elkanah. He's married to Hannah. But Hannah has no child. And he's telling Hannah, it doesn't really matter. I love you. Am I not worth ten sons? (laughs) You know. He means it. And I can preach a long time on that, you know, because... Sometimes we're waiting for a miracle and it doesn't come. So we begin to come up with phrases like that, you know, to tell ourselves it's okay. You know, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Hannah wasn't having it. So she went to Shiloh or Shiloh is actually Shiloh, (laughs) you know, and she's praying so hysterically. I wish I saw a video to see how Hannah prayed because she prayed in such a way. She looked like a drunk person. I mean, so the priest, Eli, saw Hannah praying and was like, oh my God, I mean, you've had too much alcohol. And of all places to display this kind of drunkenness, is it in the house of God? And she says, no, I'm not not drunk. I've not had any wine. I'm just pouring my heart out to the Lord. And he says, what do you want? The reason it's important I tell you this story is because sometimes... Because we have the benefit of hindsight, hindsight, you know, knowing the full Bible, we forget how powerful some moments were. For instance, when you think of the prophet Eli, you think of how he ended. I want to remind you that man was a prophet. And he just tells this lady, what do you want? Well, I want to have a child. He says, the God of Israel has heard your petitions. Hannah that was crying, because she knew who Eli was. She was crying one moment. The moment Eli said that, the Bible says she cleaned her tears. She went to eat. Oh my God. She went to eat. She left the place. She, I mean, and she began to just make merry. And then she and her husband acted on the word. That's another preaching. <laughs> Some people don't know how to act on the word. <laughs> if you are trusting for the fruit of the word, you need to act on the word. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Not that your time of the morning, you, you say, I'm busy, busy, borrow. climb bed. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Are you Mary? You have to act on the word. <laughs> so they acted on the word. Amen. And they got a child. I mean, think about it. The child was called Samuel. I mean, Samuel means God heard. Let me take a moment to prophesy over you. Not too long from now, you will carry the evidence of answered prayer on your hands. I'm telling you, your Samuel is coming. And everybody will see that evidence and know that God has heard you. Your prayer points today will turn to testimonies tomorrow. In your business, Samuel is coming. In your ministry, Samuel is coming. Concerning your relationship, Samuel is coming. You are trusting for the fruit of the womb, Samuel is coming. In the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Be seated. You know, that's, that's powerful. You know, just think about that. And then they have Samuel. God heard. Like, now, every time you see that child is a reminder. I was crying. I cried to the Lord. I received the prophetic word. This is the evidence. No, no explanation. No explanation. This is the evidence. This is the result. That was the kind of prophet Eli was. And then when the child grew, they brought to the child, they brought the child to the temple, dedicated the child to the Lord. So I mean they went home without the child. The child stayed in the temple as Eli's protégé. Just think about that. Learning, serving, under the care of Eli. And just so that you will know it wasn't fluke, Eli said, wow, you gave this child as a loan to the Lord. He stretched his hand and blessed her again. He says, the Lord pay you back. And the same woman had five more children That was the part that blew my mind. Three boys and two girls. Five more after Samuel. She that was called barren. Let me take this moment again to prophesy over you. For everything you gave God one, God will give you five. This is timely for some of you because just last week, amen, please be seated. That's powerful. I mean, you've been waiting for a child you got one and you gave to God. And then the same prophet says, well, God is going to pay you back and then they have five children. Now, that's how Samuel, that's how Eli was. A (laughs) prophet, oh my God. Strong prophet of God. Not just that, the young boy is serving him. He gets to about the age of 15. The age is important for what I'm about to say. He's just 15 years old. And one day, He hears a voice. He thinks it's Eli's voice. And he goes to Eli. You called me, sir. Eli said, no, I did not call you. Go back and sleep. You should be sleeping. And he goes back. He hears the voice again. He comes He says, Eli, you called me. And he says, no, I didn't call you. Go back. Listen, I know that voice. You know, in the writing, the Bible says, the Lord came and stood and called him. So, that means from the voice, you could tell where the person calling was standing. I know it. This is not inward witness. The first time I heard it, I turned. You know, I turned to see who was calling. So I mean, he went. He said, you called me. I mean, the first time I heard it, I responded out. Yes? You know? Who's that? I'm not talking inward voice. I'm not talking still small voice. I'm hearing like you are hearing me now. And then the Bible says, Eli perceived that God was speaking to him. And he says, go back and sleep. When you hear the voice again, this is how to respond. Say, speak, Lord. (laughs) Now, that's experience. That's a prophet. He didn't need to ask God, was it you? He knew from experience, that's God. Go back and say, speak, Lord, your servant hears. So, now, he went and he did What Eli told him to do. And guess what? The prophetic word that he received was about judgment against Eli. (laughs) So the boy, after he heard the word, he didn't go and give feedback. He was too afraid. He just slept. Eli suspected so he went to him the next day. I, I need to read it to you so that you will see. This is so powerful. Come on, are you with me? Are you learning anything? Come on, I said, are you learning anything? Look at First Samuel chapter 3. Verse 17. Eli said to him, he says, What is the word the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. I'm suspecting by your demeanor that it's not something nice. But it's the word of the Lord. Don't hide it from me. You know, and this is very encouraging. There are people who are still ready to hear the voice of God. Not only when it is nice or when it is sweet. Even if it is a correction, they don't mind. Come on, are you getting what I'm saying? You know, just to commemorate our 10th anniversary, I was looking through the archives, I saw a sermon I preached. 2014. On suffering for Christ. (laughs) And in the sermon, you know, now I'm even more mature and skillful. I know how to present that. I was young and raw. So, Joseph, I said, if they put a sword on your neck (laughs) and say, will you Do you understand what I am saying? And I was just like... How did this church grow? <laughs> I said, you mean this is how I was preaching? <laughs> wow. And you know, I'll never forget as a young preacher, when I told someone, I went to see an older minister, he asked me, so what are you teaching in your church now? I said, we're teaching evangelism. He said, ah, he looked at me with pity. Ten years after. Listen. And that's what this ministry signifies to the world. That there are people who are still looking for Jesus and nothing else. No additives, no icing, just give us Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? Not special programs, thank God for ambience. but but We just want Jesus. There are still people who are saying, don't hide it from me. Just just preach it to me. And this 15-year-old... Stood before this prophet who I think was in his 90s. His eyes were already dim. And said, this is the word of the Lord. Because you didn't correct your children. You preferred your children over me. You didn't honor your children. This and this and this. I mean, 15 years old. That's the word of the Lord for you. It doesn't matter your reputation, the word of God is bigger than all of us. Please, are you listening to this? It's bigger than all of us. Must have honor for the written word. And so, Paul's word to Timothy. Timothy is a young preacher. And Paul has the experience. He's giving him advice. Giving him a charge, and instruction. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 from verse 1. I mean, just look at the way he starts. In verse 1, 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing. You know, when someone tells you something like this, you know he's about to say something important. Listen, God is judge. Before I tell you what I'm about to tell you, I want to remind you that God is judged. Jesus is coming soon. He will judge everyone when he comes. Ha, you're like, what you're about to say must be very important. And do you know what he says in verse 2? He says, preach the word. Every pastor must remember Jesus is coming soon. You might think you are the captain of God's flock. You will give account for every sermon preached. You know, you can get carried away, you know, by the needs of the people, you know, and, and what, what the people want. Forgetting that you're not supposed to tell them, what, I mean, just succumb to what they think they want. You're supposed to tell them from the word of God what they should want. That's what discipleship is. Not just bringing programs, you know, uh, to suit people who have itching ears. He reminds him, Jesus is coming and he will judge the living and the dead that is appearing. Preach the word. I like the fact that he didn't just say preach. He said preach the word. (laughs) Because you can be preaching and not be preaching the word. He was very specific about what should be preached. Preach the word. So much to be said about this. He gives the scope of preaching. He said convince. And this talks about persuasion. Listen. When was the last time you heard a persuasive sermon? Meaning. Not just sprinkles. You don't just run through the verses. You preach Until every objective person is convinced beyond reasonable doubt, you go through all the texts. Properly corroborated position to build conviction. Sometimes 45 minutes may not be enough for that. Come on, are you getting what I'm saying? And this is why the modern day Christians, many of them are not rooted and grounded. Because we've not given enough time to convince convincing is part of preaching. It takes time. Let me give you an example of Paul. In Acts chapter 19 from verse 8. Acts chapter 19 from verse 8. The Bible says, he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for the space of three months. Every day preaching for three months. That's the kind of effort that convincing will need sometimes. Some of you need to learn how to convince in evangelism. You preach once, you say, ah, eh? I read about the conversion of Yonggi It was a young girl who was preaching to him. She was coming every day, preaching. He said, no, he won't believe. The final day, she just broke down and started crying. Ah! <laughs> says, Is this that serious? Oh yeah, what should I say? <laughs> was saved. Because he could see the passion like, ah. So, I mean, there is a tenacity that this work requires. Not that a small throne, you know, and then you run away. You must stand with the position. Come on, are you with me? You you, you, you prepare. Not every Sunday, you say, you know, I don't really know what I'm going to say. Ah! Are you in ministry or what is this? You will rehearse people. (laughs) Paul says, when Paul was preaching in Athens, he even quoted their poets. He knew everything about their culture. He was prepared for that moment. Convince. Convince. (laughs) Come on, are you with me? He says, convince, and this is another part. People know about conviction, but they don't know about this next one. It says, rebuke. Especially in this extra sensitive mental health generation, I'm sorry to say. (laughs) We don't like rebuke. We don't like it. We don't like when someone tells us it is wrong. You do, No sugar coating. It is wrong. Where Paul is writing to the church at Galatia and he says, Oh foolish Galatians, no be abused. Now fact, like if I observe what you are doing from a critical standpoint, this is foolishness. This is foolishness. And sometimes we need to hear the word of God like that. Rebuke. Jesus said, brood of vipers. (laughs) And the people got annoyed, started hissing. (laughs) He said, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) Vipers. And then exhort. You know, some people... They they anchor their ministry on one of them. Some people they are always rebuking, never exhorting. There's a man of God, you know, I, you know. I used to like his preaching years ago. So the first sermon I preached, I, I, I listened to. You know, it was so emotional. It was full of rebuke, so convicting. He was crying. I was like, wow, this is. Second sermon, you cry. Third sermon, cry. Fourth sermon, 10. I can't tire. Say, "Ah, ah." where's the joy of the Lord? (laughs) Every time, cry, cry, cry. Ah, ah. When you are not Jeremiah? (laughs) Every (laughs) every time. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because sometimes it, it makes you feel holier than other people. To just like, there is something they don't get. Every time, there's something they don't get. Learn to exhort people also. (laughs) So, so I'm talking about balance here. Come on, are you with me? And verse 3. It says, for the time will come. (laughs) I suspect he might have been talking about 2022. (laughs) For the time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine. Now, let me teach you this. Sound doctrine, many times, needs to be endured. <laughs> it needs to be endured. It means that there are some things that are uncomfortable to hear, that you must hear. No, it's the person by your side say you must hear what you must You must hear what I'm talking about a sermon. You know, there are some sermons that you'll be will be enjoying from beginning to end. There are some others you need to endure it. If you could pinch me, you'll be pinching me from where you are sitting off your mic. It's okay. And I say, no, I apply more pressure. (laughs) You 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 need some sermons need to be endured. And you can't grow without sermons like that. Now, listen to me. Have you ever read a book and you didn't understand anything? Don't lie now. Yeah, I'm yeah, pretending as if all of you finished with first class. <laughs> <laughs> let, me tell you, let me tell you something. But has it happened to you that you read it again? have you you read, maybe it was a page, you read a page, you didn't understand anything. You read it again, and again, and again, then you got it. That's how to grow. That's how to grow. I like to look for hard books. Hard books. You know, the truth is, now I don't even like normal books. Because usually, when someone wants to write a book, It means he has a contribution to the development of knowledge. Because you you, you scarcely will write on faith what everybody has written. Do you understand? What you're saying will be fundamentally the same but superficially different. So you must have a contribution to the development of knowledge. Now, from chapter 1 to maybe chapter 5, you will give introduction. And in chapter 6, you will say what you really want to say. I don't have time for that. So I, I prefer to read commentaries. You know, the books I read these days, you see, 2nd Corinthians. That's the title of the book. <laughs> that's, you know, I just like, it. let's go straight to the point. You know, <laughs> there was a material I was reading. The person expected people who are reading high-level theology material like that to understand Greek. So he got to a point, he said, it reminds me of the saying, and he went four sentences in Greek. In Greek. I said, Ha. Ah, will be your fault. Very soon. <laughs> Very soon. Very soon. <laughs> you, you know. But but that's how to grow. You stretch yourself. Hallelujah. So you can't always be looking for ice cream sermons. That you know it is a lot of work. We have to bring props on stage. We want to t- teach on spiritual growth. We bring seed. We bring uh, ah, ah, you are stressing us. <laughs> you bring gary, to, to, to teach on how to rise in faith. You pour water. you, don't, you are stressing us. Just grow up. (laughs) Hallelujah. Beware of convenient ministry. And that doesn't mean we shouldn't be thoughtful. But when it becomes the goal, you won't be a faithful preacher. If the goal is to constantly excite people, you cannot faithfully do ministry. In fact... There are some topics, more often than not, if you preach it, it will be boring. God delivered me because some, at some point, I used to feel bad if I'm preaching and someone sleeps. Then I now read Paul slept, so Paul preached, someone fell down and died. I said, I'm trying now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. Nobody has died when I was preaching before. <laughs> the boy, the guy slept off. Fell down and died. <laughs> you know the anointing? Paul went, raised him up and continued preaching. Like, you must hear what today. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's why <what>, you're <yeah>, like He's <sighs> awake, hallelujah, miracle. Okay, come. As I was saying. <laughs> said, in season and out of season. Can you say that with me? In season, in season. and out of season. Out. Say it again. Say in season, in season. and out of season. Out. So when it is agriculture, there is a time not to plant some crops. But when it is the, the word of God, every time is right. Do you understand what I'm saying? Every, I'm, I must be always receptive to the word of God. Always, It's always planting season in the word of God. Always. I'm always ready. Always ready to learn. Always ready to receive the word of God. In season and out of season. Let me ask you this. What was your favorite subject in school? Someone says mathematics. That's me. That was my favorite. Who who liked English? Yeah, who liked geography? Yeah, this is how we now know the Ficos. Who liked physics? Ah, you say, ah, some of you they lie, oh. <laughs> <laughs> ah, ah, so many hands. Okay, well, brilliant church. Who like chemistry? <laughs> I said favorite subject, oh. Wow, you guys are deep. But listen, when it was time for exam, did they come and say, okay? Select your favorite subject, you will write exams on only your favorite subject. You wish, don't you? <laughs> that one will not, it won't be flying colors. You have to look for another term. <laughs> the colors will disappear, right? But that's, that's not just how it works. If, if you have a favorite subject, that's for your pocket. You will still do Yoruba in Wayek. <laughs> <laughs> it just has to spoil the results. It just just it just <laughs> hallelujah. It just has to spoil the results. And such it is in the kingdom of God. So now I've I've been preaching long enough to know that some people, consciously or unconsciously, have preferences when it comes to sermon. Some people like prayer. And the problem is, some ministries fall for the temptation. And they become a prayer ministry. And that's not how to equip. You can't equip on prayer alone. As important as prayer is. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some people like faith. And then you you now make a message the message. Everyday faith. Some people like grace. And so every day, forgiving, eternal, forgiving, salvation. You you have irresponsible people in your church. It is true. It's true. I have not ceased, Paul said, to give you the whole counsel of God. There is such a thing as the whole counsel. Say loud, amen. And so, I, like I said, beware of good preaching. Now, when someone says beware, it doesn't mean that what he's talking about is bad. It just means be cautious. It's, it requires caution. It requires caution. What is... Uh, <laughs> if you were Samuel, tell me what is the exciting way to tell Eli that his two children with that? And the Lord said, (laughs) (laughs) not too long from now. (laughs) How do you want to say it? (laughs) It was one of the earliest lessons I learned when I started hearing God. Imagine, how old was I? 16 or 17. I went for Bible school. During break, Two women were selling Kunu side by side. And then one had the nylons finished. Her polything finished. So she stole her neighbors. Own. And then the Lord spoke to me. He said, go and tell that woman to return the n- nylons or else. Ha! So <laughs> true life story. So I went there. And after standing like a fool for a few seconds, he said, sorry, how much is Kunu? Cool? <laughs> I, I will tell you the truth. You know I always tell you. How much is Kunu? Cool? Give me one. Okay. How much is Bonds? Give me one. I sat there. And then I was arguing, Lord, why i He just, you know, you just started speaking to me yesterday. If they give me this kind of work, this is market. If they slap me, you know, I was just, what? <laughs> God. And I finished. And I look at the woman. I said, You stole nylon from this. There was no way I should have known. She almost died. I, that's the way I can explain the expression. He did, ha! But the Lord said, "You should return it." <laughs> and, I was, <laughs> and I just carried my thing. I was going, like, "God, <laughs> please, now, please, please, sir, <laughs> please." Hallelujah! It was a test for me. Thank God, oh. <laughs> I probably won't be here. As I prepare to round off, can we do small Bible study? Not like if you said no, I would have. It's polite to ask. (laughs) Small Bible study. You see, there was a bit of a rivalry between Paul and Apollos, not by their own choosing. But you know, it's The people, you people cause a lot of trouble. Unintentionally, I'm going to teach on it one day. Because you have to understand, Saul, for instance, liked David, he had no problem with David. It was a testament to Saul's leadership to believe that David could face Goliath. No king would be foolish enough to put the faith of a whole country in the hands of a teenager. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, in a sense, David's success was Saul's success, but somehow there's a way we are programmed. We must always preach. The moment someone is rising, we're saying, ah, "Who we preach pass? Ah, this guy, eh? For where he day, this guy has not seen miracle. This guy, there's just a the way we think. And so, someone started singing. Saul has killed his thousand. <laughs> David 10,000. Saul vexed. That's where it all started. Now, we blame Saul. And it, Saul is still to blame. Because those things, has, things are inevitable. But that led to to. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Why are you gonna be like that? So, I mean, so I mean, the people began to compare Paul and Apollos, and Paul had to write about it. Many people don't know that almost the whole First Corinthians was about Apollos. <laughs> I wish I had time to prove it to you, and if I have time, I will show you some texts. And he said, Is Christ divided? Paul has planted, Apollos has watered. Glory be to God. But you see, the sad reality is that some of us don't even know who a good preacher is. You don't know. Paul, Apollos. Now, this is not to undermine Apollos' ministry. You need to know the grace that God had given Paul. Mind you, when Paul is preaching, you may sleep, oh. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, tell me if this happened to you, especially in Nigerian universities, where the best lecturers were the graduate assistants. Those ones, the gay illustration, the professors are boring, but they know it more. You know what I'm saying. The professor will come and just be like, God, just... And so the Bible tells us, don't forget we read from um, Acts 18. The first few verses tell us that Paul continued with them three Sabbaths explaining the scriptures. They revolted. They, they were even going to beat him. So he had to dust his sandals and leave. His ministry was not successful amongst the Jews. So he left. And then not long after, a man named Apollos showed up on the scene. In that same place where Paul did not have a ministry. And the Bible described him in verse 24. The Bible says he was an eloquent man. And he was mighty in scriptures. Now when you say mighty in scriptures, you might get the, the wrong interpretation. Now, for, for instance, respectfully, I am a strong advocate for people who can recite scriptures. You know, some people can just go and just, just quote 10 chapters. That's powerful. Or that's nice. The power is in the explanation. Okay, now, all these things you have recited, like typewriter, explain it. <laughs> so, it, the reason I'm saying this is because in our day and age, success in ministry is predicated on natural gifts on eloquence, on charisma. Some people even choose pastor because he's fine. Anyway, me all around, you know what I'm saying? Huh? Okay, I'm joking, stop it. <laughs> Someone cannot play with you. But listen, we must come to a point where we have to discern spiritual things properly. Have to descend spiritual things properly. It's not about suits. It's not about iPad. In fact, proper communication is good. You don't want to be shedding on people's head. You know, grammatical blunders. But truth is most important. Are you listening to me? Truth is most important. God is my witness. If I was a church member, I won't really care as much what venue is used. I just want to hear the word of God. I don't want to waste my time. So this is what NIV says about him. Just so that you get it better. He says he was a learned man. So he was educated. With a thorough knowledge of scriptures. And he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And he spoke with great favor. You know. Bang bang, <laughs> and loads in. <end. laughs> you know, he spoke with great fervor. He had a powerful voice and charisma, and taught about Jesus accurately. Though he knew only the baptism of John, he was probably the first person to have prayer ministry or faith ministry. He just had. He knew only one thing. That's what he taught all the time. The baptism of John. Imagine. His ministry, you know, and so now, oh my God. Are you ready now? Let's connect the dots. So in 1 Corinthians 1, Paul is saying, some of you say, I am for Paul, I'm for Apollos. Is Christ divided. And then in chapter 2 verse 1, he says, when I came to you, I didn't come with eloquence of speech. Maybe, maybe not, Abby, We'll go deeper. (laughs) It says so that your faith will not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. What is the implication of this? You know now, Apollo's ministry were in two places, Ephesus and Corinth. When you go to Acts chapter 19, and, you know, Paul finds himself in Ephesus. And he finds so-called disciples. And he asked them a question. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, we've not heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. He now said, unto what then were you baptized? What did they say? John's baptism. You see the problem? Mind you, the ministry of John was very important to point to the fact that this Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. So, I mean, it was a big deal for the Jews to know for for starters that this Jesus is the Messiah. But what about post redemptive realities? Okay, you have proven you are good at apologetics. This Jesus is the Messiah. What then? How can we receive his life? How can you preach? supposedly the message of life and you you didn't mention Holy Ghost. Paul was surprised. Unto what then were you baptized? And so the Bible says, Aquila and Priscilla, who were disciples of Paul, called Apollos aside and explained the word of God more accurately to him. Acts 18.26. They had to teach him. Meaning, you can be eloquent and be ignorant. They had to teach him. Apollos had the crowd. In fact, Paul did not have the success that Apollos had amongst the Jews. But Apollos did not know the word of God. At least he didn't know it enough. Do you understand this? Nobody slept when Apollo was preaching. Definitely nobody's, nobody died. The Bible says that when Apollo was going, <laughs> there was something called a letter of commendation. So you see, not only did he have the charisma, uh, the eloquence, he also had the branding. So when he's going to a new city, there was something called the letter of commendation. And Paul never needed that. So now, in Second Corinthians 3.1, Paul says, do we begin to commend ourselves or do we need as some others <laughs> <laughs> epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? It's, we don't need that. You are the evidence of our ministry. It says, You are epistles written in our hearts, known and read of all men. Would you like me to go on? I know you like (laughs) gist. Hallelujah. Okay, let's move on a little. Oh, glory to God. Please, are you learning anything? And so, in 1 Corinthians 2, he said, I didn't come to you in eloquence of speech. And in verse 4, he said, my message I'm preaching was not in wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of spirit and power, that your faith not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He says, verse 9 and 10, he says, what no eye had seen, what no ear has heard, what the human mind has not conceived, uh, the things that God has prepared for them that love him, these are the things we have revealed That are revealed unto us by the Spirit. He's talking about himself and Barnabas. Hallelujah. So now he is exalting revelation above eloquence. And rightly so. And so must you. Say loud amen. Amen. Verse. Look at chapter 3 so that you know the matter has not ended. Chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. Verse 3. He says you are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting as humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, another, I follow Apollos. (laughs) So now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he talked about Apollos. In chapter 2, he talked about Apollos. In chapter 3, it's about Apollos. Are you with me? And then he now says in verse 8, he says, I have laid the foundation as a wise master builder. If anyone else is building on it, let him take it. Who is the anyone else? Don't forget, he says, I have planted, Apollos is watering. So he says, I have done the foundation. Anyone who is building on it should be what? <laughs> I've laid the foundation as a wise master building builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Right? Look at chapter 4, verse 6. Now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit so that you may learn from us the meaning of these saints. Do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not be puffed up in being a follower Of us over against the other. All right? Verse 14. I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as their children. Even if you have 10,000 guardians, (laughs) even if you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have become your father through the gospel. Therefore I urge you, imitate. did he say imitate anybody you want? <laughs> it's like you people are not really. <laughs> Who did he say imitate? Because you know, you might run off with the idea in chapter one. He's saying, ah, follow whoever. No, that's not what he's saying. <laughs> now, whatever your opinion on what Paul did is. Bear in mind, it's a serious issue. For someone to be a preacher knowing only the baptism of John. not preaching. And so he cared. By the way, he's not struggling for Apollos' members. He's, he's, he's preserving his own people. These are his own disciples. He says, I have begotten you in the gospel. So these are his converts. And so he had every right to warn them. And so just because Apollos is popular Doesn't mean you should get carried away. Are you getting this? Not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. As a round off, I just want to say this. You know, some people even say, I'm not really big on doctrine. Let's just fellowship and, and all of that. And you know my response to that? That is a doctrine. It's a doctrinal position not to be particular about doctrine. It's 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 because people don't know what doctrine is. Doctrine is simply the idea that governs the activities of people. That's what doctrine is. It's not even a spiritual terminology. In every nation, there is a doctrine. There is a way people behave that is influenced by strong beliefs. Come on, do you get what I'm saying? Influenced by strong beliefs. Some parts of this nation have strong superstitions. That's doctrine. It influences how they act, how they behave. Everybody lives by a doctrine, whether they like it or not. Whether they admit it or not. And so the word of the Lord is to you is this. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. So it's it's not an option for you as a child of God. If you're a child of God, you must be particular about doctrine. Why is doctrine important? I will run through four points and then we close. Number one, doctrine is important because that's how we worship. You can't worship without doctrine. When you say, God, you are one. You are eternal. You are invisible. You know, what you are doing is theology. Omnipotent. Omniscient. That's doctrine. Doctrine is the lyrics of our worship. And so, to not know God is to limit your worship. The more you know of God, the more you can worship because you must only worship him based on the knowledge of who he is. The next reason doctrine is important is it helps us know who we are, that we might know the things that are freely given to us. That's what Paul was praying, that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened to know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, the exceeding greatness of his power, us, world, who believe. God wants you to know so that you can walk with confidence. Come on, say a loud amen. Amen. And the third thing is, it, it it protects us from error. It protects us from error. It protects us from error. Oh, my God. You know, there was this guy in school who was possessed by a devil. And this demon manifested in a different way. This guy went about giving people spot-on word of knowledge. Are you listening to me? Spot-on. You say you were here yesterday, you did this, 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 this. Ah, can I pray for you? He will pray for them. (laughs) He will buy things and bless it and ask them to eat. You know, so the first time I saw him I was like something off about this guy. The funny thing is I had one young disciple a lady, a girl flourished then very young but all my people, you know, now. So the guy was sharing testimonies. I was looking at him. And then, next thing I know, Flory just said, You are just deceiving yourself. He looked at her with shock. Why did you say that? He said, you are just deceiving yourself. Said it to his face. Not long after, when I got a private place to pray for him, lay dance on him like this. A masculine voice came out. More masculine than his, than his natural voice. And said, June 6th, I think 2000 and was it June 6th? I think 1996. It also cast me out from someone in a conference. And I left and entered this boy as a baby. True life story. You know <laughs> Jesus. Long story short, by the time we expelled demons from that guy, we had to go and call all his disciples. All of them had demons. All. I'm not telling you something they told me. True life story. One of them had... A, he, he, was, he was almost mutating. He had big boils all over his body. I've seen strange things. I've seen... Oh, Jesus. Please, I beg you in the name of God. I think this is where I should end. Look at Acts chapter 20. Let's read this standing so that the real imports will dawn on you. And this is so powerful, I don't even know where to start from. So Paul is writing to preachers. Hmm. From verse 28, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he has purchased with his blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also, from among you, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. So make no mistake, they will have disciples. They may even have a church. He says, therefore watch and remember that for three years, for how long? I did not cease. To warn everyone night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God. Now, and that's what I'm telling you, everyone. I commend you to God. You can't say you've not heard the truth. You can't say, you know, you, more is required of you because by the grace of God, you, you have received the wholesome word of God. I commend you to God, to the word of his grace able to build you up and give you an inheritance amongst the sanctified. Never forget what you've heard. No matter where you travel to, all around the world, whether it's for master's program or relocation, I commend you to God and the word of his grace. It doesn't matter how desperate you get. Maybe it's a miracle you want. I've seen many people who are usually more discerning until there is a problem. That's when the voice of Satan will now start sounding like the voice of God. You are usually more discerning. You were just desperate. Desperation attacks discernment. Never forget that. Desperation attacks discernment. Because it is after you have gone 40 days without food that the devil will say, if you are the son of God, turn stone to bread. He will wait till then. Because desperation attacks discernment. It makes you vulnerable. Watch out for Satan when you are vulnerable. Desperation attacks. So you must draw the line. What God cannot give me, may I never have. In fact, what God cannot give me, I don't need. And it does not even exist. Say loud amen, somebody. What God cannot give me, let me never have. Listen, if you have this principle... Even if God does not categorically give you a voice, it will save you. You know, my first en- encounter with what is called one chance, I didn't even know what it was. I was at Buddy Thomas. I flagged down a, a cab. This was years ago. I didn't have a vehicle. Flagged down a cab, entered the cab, and then drama started. The other person in the cab, the driver turned and said, What is that in the car? In the boots. And the person said, "Oh, my boss died. They have dollars, and then they parked." I said, "Excuse me, I'm late." So the guy looked at me, surprised that there's dollars in the boot, dollars. I said, "Are you going to where I'm going or not?" They said, "Okay, you can come down." And I came down. So, in fact, just in passing, I was telling my mom the next day. I said, ah, "Can you imagine? I entered one vehicle, and they were telling me." My mom screamed "That one chance. I said, oh, that's what they call one chance. I didn't know. Listen, you don't need to know. The problem is some people you go to church, but you are still so greedy. That's why they catch you. They give you one watery prophecy, your leg is already shaking. Too easily impressed, too easily swayed. Then come to church and grow, you will not come, you will stream online when your, your house is just here. Um, that shade is for someone. <laughs> come and grow, you will need it. A time is coming when they look at you, they will know this is not, the, uh, this is not who we're looking for. There was one apprentice, they call them Alpha. I'm not saying, do you understand? One apprentice. I was at um, Ikeja City Mall. So one of them came to me said, Sir, do you have a few minutes? Can I talk to you? Ah, that was a look. So his senior colleagues in the car were shouting, Leave him alone. Come back. Leave him alone. <laughs> and so he just quickly left. They were shouting, do- demonstrating like this. Look. Le- <laughs> Ah, uh, amen. for viriaka pie. will <laughs> hypnotize you. You will pray. <laughs> you will pray for three days. You won't be able to stop. I commend you to God and the word of his grace able to build you up. Please be discerning. The Bible says, Test all oh spirits. Test. They are not as obvious. You need to test. Sometimes it takes time. Test. Amen, somebody. Pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the, the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. Praying the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. Praying the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' mighty name, we've prayed. I want to say something controversial, all right. You know, I saw a very powerful excerpt and someone, you know, said this and I was very happy that someone finally said it. You know, when Paul says to the church at Galatia, who has bewitched you? He was talking about their response to some false teaching in the word of God and he called it witchcraft. Witchcraft. Because some people have weaponized the teaching of God's word to have this unjust, ungodly hold on people just manipulating people they don't have a life on their own of their own they don't have a life of their own listen we are honorable people we believe in honor but watch for the extremes some people do too much some people do too much you know you know i'm i'm just saying you know someone was telling me about the church heart he experienced, God is restoring him now. The level of control, the pastor gave them the hairstyle to barb. compulsory. When he's, when he's, he's talking to them, they must be on their knees until he's done. Anywhere, they must be on their knees. Gave them hairstyle to barb, you know, all these satanic things. God, ah, my God. I, I don't want to mention some things. Please watch it. Watch it. Many pastors have broken homes. Broken homes. Use your sense. Use your sense. Be wise. And I'm not talking about earthly canal wisdom. I'm saying follow the word of God. And when people are going too far, discern it. If you are giving, give from your heart. Nobody should force you. Do everything from your heart. And God wants you to do well in every other aspect of your life. You know, there is, uh, there is a... Oh my God. Use your sense. You know, I, I, I heard somewhere, you know... Now, you are making undergraduates pray. They are praying 12 hours every night. Where would they read When will they read? And and you know, sometimes we don't know how to just think. But husbands turned against wives, wives turned against husbands because of pastor. Why? Some things have to end. Amen? Yeah. So Paul, he, Paul was begging with tears. He says, wolves will come. They will try to destroy you. Wolves will come. Be discerning. I commend you to God and the word of his grace. Able to build you up and give you an inheritance amongst the sanctified. And you too. Curiosity will put you in trouble. It's the devil that runs to and fro. Looking for whom to devote. Why are you everywhere? Let the Lord lead you and be planted and stay somewhere. Too many hands have laid hands on you. Have been laid on you. Too many. Too many voices speaking over you. You must be confused. Why won't you be confused? Hallelujah. The circumspect. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the instruction in your word. We are guided. Your word is lamb unto our feet, light unto our path. We receive the instruction in your word, the correction in your word, the exhortation in your word, and we are better for it. In Jesus' mighty name, please say loud, amen. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline. Zero eight zero nine 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 six seven thousand blessings.